0: Get ready to rock out with your talk out. It's the Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. and Roll Circus coming back at ya one more time. Just like jock itch, we're back to annoy the living shit out of you. Yeah, what kind of shit? Living shit. Oh, I thought you were going to say hot Well, butter. we're going to get to oh, that I shit never... later. We <laughs> got, I got to work up to that. First, okay. we start with the living shit. The text ah. living shit. <clears throat> oh, man.
1: <laughs> what is wrong with it you? It is a
0: Ludini Rock and Roll Circus. That means you got to go to Ludini, mm-hmm. rockandrollcircus.com to get all your Ludini needs met. Oh, Ladies not. and gentlemen, I have to tell you, Ludini. Yeah. He the kind of satisfy. Really? I'm in the mood to satisfy it at night. Oh, Lord. That's <sighs> what I'm going to be doing. So I want you to get ready. I want you to jump up, take a hot bite out of some Ludini. For your listening
1: oh
0: my. edification. Yeah. The not roll Check out all the cool <laughs> shit there. Uh rockrage radio.com, download the free app. It was fun having Lily yeah. V six from Rock Rage Radio here last we'll week. Her Check back. out her yes. show Hot Lakes with Lily Six. Six o'clock on sixth day. Um, not on sixth day, on That's Thursday. On Thursday, not sixth day. should be. Goofball 666 Six six six. <gasps> That's the devil. We love the Sixer, and I'm uh, looking forward to having <laughs> her back on here uh, as soon as fucking possible. Yeah. Um And of course, shout out to our good buddy, uh, Chris Thunder Wolf Wolfie. Um. So guys, um. We uh, Mr. Pittsburgh is here. Hey, everybody. I'm jumping ahead hey. of everything. That's Mr. Right. Pittsburgh is here. I am. Oh, real quick, I always forget to do this trigger warning. Uh-oh. If you are the kind of person who gets, yes. And if you're, in other words, if you're like a little bitch and you get butthurt over things, (laughs) you need to turn it off now. Seriously, just, we're not even going there. We're not, (laughs) I'm not, I'm not playing with you. No, really. This isn't for you. This isn't for, it's like, it's like Barney is not for people over like five years old barney the purple right. Dinosaur, yes, right yes 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 <clears throat> this is you know what i mean this yes. is just not for for you if that's your thing like don't, we don't got to get into a thing no. you don't got to do nothing you just no. got to go oh that's not my thing i'm gonna go listen it's not my like and you listen what you like really? right this is for the weirdos the two or three mm-hmm. that like what we do
1: you know who you are know I'm saying.
0: i'm saying i'm saying so it hey is, So we are here, Mr. Pittsburgh. What's going on in your life this week? Eh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that.
1: Now, I've told people in the past that uh, you kind of talk about newer movies where I've got a huge collection of DVD and Blu-rays. and uh, Uh-oh. Yeah, so I, I watch older movies and, and, and see if they hold up is what I'm trying to say. So what
0: older on. movie did Mr. <clears throat> Pittsburgh explore this week?
1: Well, I've got uh, one of those DVDs with two movies on it and it's uh
0: Wow, well, you got yeah. to get all fancy yeah, now. Right. Ain't one DVD yeah. enough on yeah, one no. movie? No, he got yeah. to have two movies on the DVD.
1: i bragging, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to brag.
0: But that was the time. How you got <laughs> to make everybody feel Mr. Pittsburgh? Not all of us is fortunate enough <laughs> to have two movies on the dvd I, I only got one
1: i feel bad now i feel bad
0: i i think we need to read this the movies to everybody
1: yeah i think you might be right anyway so i have this uh collection it's a tom hanks collection i got it because the burbs is on it that's a fun movie.
0: I need to rewatch it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Go back. Cause it whole.
0: You I, I recommended holds Boys up. and Company C and that turned it out to be a really good movie. Yes. Very sad. Yeah. Very, very sad. Good. But hey,
1: Vietnam. Uh, so the other movie included was a movie with uh, Tom Hanks and Shelley Long called Money
0: Pit. Money Pit. The money shit. Yeah.
1: And uh, I remember having to watch that. We had a uh,
0: having to watch it.
1: Yeah, I was in a film class, like a film appreciation class. Ah. Easy couple ah. of credits, you know. So ah. we had to we had to watch Mister Blanding's uh, Dream House, and then the remake was, of course, the well, the kind of reboot was the Money Pit, but uh, yeah, it
0: didn't didn't really hold up. Not like the Burbs. Um. Yeah. That's funny that you say that. Yes. <clears throat> because um, I forget what year. The Money Pit came out. It was the 80s, early yeah. 80s maybe. Yeah, mid, I think, yeah. Early, mid 80s. And my cousin was visit visiting. My cousin was wow. visiting. Was that painful? Yes. Okay. From uh, a different part of the state and yes. it was over the holidays and me and him and my sister were looking for something to do uh-huh. and we had seen a trailer for The Money Pit oh. and we thought it looked really funny so we sure. went. And here's the problem with The Money Pit. All the funny jokes are in the trailer. Yeah. <clears throat> the rest yeah. of it is just like... Oh, oh I, I and you feel and you, after you feel kind of bad for these people, like yeah. you know what
1: I mean' it's yeah. like I did I was like, oh, yeah, oh. you
0: don't it's it doesn't have the, the like the intent there's nothing worse than like when the filmmaker thinks something's gonna have an intended effect, right it, it doesn't is. have it doesn't, it's, 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 maybe yeah. just the opposite like when somebody tries to make a serious movie and it ends up being funny, the room. A, yeah
1: yeah yeah, I've, yeah you've yeah, heard the about room. the room a lot yes. there's,
0: there's a lot of those like that huh, they call them hilariosities. Hilariosities, you say? Yes, Mark Stuckman from from uh, Youngstown, Ohio, coined that uh, phrase. Oh, Mark has a giant; he has a huge, huge YouTube uh, movie channel. Yeah, and um, he used to do. Had, he hasn't done them in a while, but he used to do h- Hilariosity reviews. Mm-hmm. Where and the Room was one that he talked about. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah, so so bad they're good, or so good they're bad, or exactly. whatever you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, so th- sometimes those can be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, did, you ever, did you ever sit down and watch Plan Nine from Outer Space? Oh, School? I own it. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm a big yeah, Ed Wood fan. That's yeah. one of those like it's like what the fuck is this shit? But you put it in you know in context. Um, right. Right. Yeah, that was. Uh, I'm trying to think if uh, oh you know the ones that the one of the ones I love. It's, it, <laughs> is Reefer Madness. You ever seen that? Long that's time fucking ago. Great. Yeah. It, yeah. That's fucking great.
1: But it's good too.
0: Yeah. I forgot last week. I wanted to loan you that Triumph.
1: Oh, that's right. Um,
0: documentary. So you definitely want to see that. Yes. Then we um, talk so, about okay. It. Let's. Week. Anything else? Nope. That's it. Oh. Yeah, I I believe a boring life. A boring Anyways, life. um so let's talk about I saw a um real quick in kind of in sort of reverse. I'm going to jump around here a bit. Okay. I saw a interesting documentary, mini documentary on uh the cartoon character the Looney Tunes cartoon character Porky Pig. A docu a mini documentary, yeah, mini documentary on on Porky yeah, Pig and how Porky had to be heavily censored. Because as the decades went by, <laughs> yeah. there was a lot of jokes that were just, be, it was becoming more and more like, and yeah, nah, that's not really funny, you know. Uh-huh, I also, I uh-huh. think some stuff, that like there's some characters that um, appear appear like they might be in blackface, but I'm not sure, but there's tons of other stuff. Oh, sure. You know, yeah. but they kept, they talked about how, like, at, when it would air on this thing, yeah, after this such and such date, they had gone back and... Change this, and then they had gone back and changed this, and um, and uh, so yeah, he was originally voiced by a guy who stuttered, a real guy who stuttered. Okay. Yet it was a different voice, but they thought it would be hilarious. But what happened was? Oh no! What happened was the guy had a bad stutter, and and it took yeah, it took forever to get get the the recordings done. So they fired him and hired Mel Blanc. There you go. You know, and and even you think about that, like how politically correct is that? Like, you know, like maybe. Right. It, wait a minute! I went down a whole we rabbit hired hole. In you. Mind. Yeah, yeah. Like I went down a whole thing <laughs> in my mind. Like you know what I mean? Because I get pissed because if you hire like that dude uh, who played Apu on um, the, Simpsons, the Simpsons, yeah, Hank Azera who's yeah, not he is you know not what I mean? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like okay, so like that was the thing. So like wait a minute, we fired an actual stuttering guy uh-huh. and hired a guy who didn't stutter. <laughs> To play a stutterer yeah, on a cartoon, like exactly. you know what I mean, like it made me kind of not that I think that any of that's right, like you know. What I mean? Hank era is fucking hilarious. Sure, and that character—it's called acting. Yes. Um, I heard. Um, I heard. <laughs> Richard Dreyfus was asked about like this sort of nonsense that's going mm-hmm. on, you know, with in, in Hollywood and everything. He goes, he says, all I want to say is Lawrence Olivier. Played Othello in the 1960s yeah. in blackface, uh-huh. and it was fucking brilliant. Yep. It's considered one of the greatest portrayals of that character in the history of portrayals of that character. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's total bullshit. Like, I want my chance to play Othello. Sure. <clears throat> and um, so, in any case, yeah. but uh, but anyway, so this guy, it was, it was kind of interesting. But what was so interesting, as I'm listening to this guy talking, he's got this like, he said instead of saying down, he said, Don. Um, oh, yeah, you know, go on, go, go, going go, around, go, going around, go right up the room, yeah. stuff he like was that. Totally from Pittsburgh. By the end, I'm like, Oh, wow. oh dude, you're a total yinzer. And I should have typed something in the comments like, yeah. I picked up the Pittsburgh, the Pittsburgh accent. I might go back and do that. Yeah, um, I think Mr. Pittsburgh, Um, I've been practicing my accordion. Wait, what? I've been practicing my accordine. I'm getting real good. I got it. Well, I got cordine, it. Nice. I say. got it. it's all accordine. It's all blinged out, and everything's got diamonds and uh, wow, and uh, and rhinestones and shit all over. Yeah, wow. Yeah, I'm blinged starting out. a new yes. hip hop act. Are you now? Yes.
1: What uh, do tell?
0: It's gonna. We're gonna. We're called Where's Bones McGoo when you need him? Oh, I know. Um, okay, never oh, mind. Never mind. I, never mind. I thought that would be lies. funny. That was fucking so awful. Wow. That's awful. We're, we can fire the writers. Yeah. Bring <laughs> the writer out on that. Let me berate him on the air. Plaintiff or bailiff. Whack his pee Bailiff. <laughs> bailiff. Bailiff. Do you remember Night Court? Richard yes, Mall. of He's course. dead. They're all dead. You know they all died. Marky Post is dead. Marky's gone. That's right. What about uh, Richard the... Mall is dead? John Larroquette's dead. No, he's not. He's, 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 he's on a TV Pe- show. Peter Frampton's dead. No, stop. But what was his name? Peter Peter Falk. Peter Falk? Well, of course Peter Falk. That's Peter Falk. Go fuck yourself, Peter Falk. <laughs> um, so um, all right. Billy Joel has a new song. I just want to kind of mention it. We're gonna play oh, yeah. it, but I didn't really get time to get pull it up or get but Billy, we'll billy joel's called the, turn the lights back on yeah and apparently he hasn't done any writing in many many years sure yeah. so he was like going like why am i not writing and kind of decided to write a song um uh, what's his name justin hawkins has a good video on it some hmm. other people do too um do you, what do you think about these people that hate the beatles what's wrong with them
1: What? why why would why would you hate the beatles it's like hating Beethoven or I, Mozart. I tried
0: to find some articles Bach. on this, and they were all sort of um, tongue-in-cheek. Like, I didn't hear any oh, real okay. serious answers, but there's a lot of people that hate the Beatles. This comes up on, on Rock Rage Radio's um, uh, Facebook page all the time, where somebody yeah. makes something about the Beatles, and people, like, roll their eyes. Like, oh, my God, the Beatles. Fuck the Beatles. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <clears throat> and... Um, I get first of all. I mean, I get it's a generational thing, man. Like I've said this many times, like expecting people in their twenties to like the Beatles. I was expecting, less when we were in our twenties, to like Benny Goodman. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. We might appreciate you might a, it. Yeah, be might go, well, it. Yeah, you be aware of it. very good I'm not jamming musician.
1: down to. Yeah, but we, would, the mood. we wouldn't get into it. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> Glenn Miller. Exactly. You
0: know? um, but um, I'll just say, and I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again: is mm-hmm. that. Um, you, uh, you would have there'd be virtually nothing you music you would have if it wasn't for the Beatles. Exactly. Whether you like it or not, whether you like their music or not, uh, but there, I, I think part of the um, the 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 Beatles backlash thing is just like just like you know, I think it's the same thing as the Taylor Swift backlash thing. Mm-hmm. Meaning that like there's some people that are like kind of contrarians, right? You know what I mean? And this person this thing is real popular, so I'm gonna hate it exactly you know what i mean it's just a thing or i think sometimes two people kind of get burnt out on something you know what i mean like they get i'm so so sick of it you know and so maybe they wherever they go they're hearing people talking about how much they love the beatles and like they didn't grow up with the beatles and fuck you and your beatles um i watched (laughs) i watched a youtube video Guy is a, he's a, I don't know if he teaches guitar or something online, but he was talking about how he, when he was a kid, he hated the Beatles because mm-hmm. his dad loved the Beatles and he was kind of like, you know, doing the teenage sure, yeah. thing. But finally, he's, he created a playlist of like, he, he put their entire catalog on. Yeah. And let it play on random, you know what I mean? For uh-huh. about three, four days straight, he was delivering pizzas. And he says, I heard all kinds <laughs> of songs like, I never wow. even knew that they did. Yeah, exactly. I was completely blown away. And he's they're like my favorite group now. Um, so, um, but yeah, I think that some of it is that just sort of contrary, you know what I mean? And again, it's old. You can't, like I said, people in their 20s, even people in their 30s, mm-hmm. you know, you can't really expect them to have the same thing of it. We, those, oh my God, it, I'm sorry, I can't believe it's about to come out of my mouth. Oh. If you know, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Isn't that what they, isn't that what the kids say? <laughs> those if you know, kids you know, you know. today. If you know, you know. Um. So yeah, the Beatles, Um you know the, so here's another thing that, that came up i um art of guitar talked about this and mm-hmm. um whenever i've been in a band with people and you know, especially like if it's like we're like a good group like we like in strange love definitely i referred to gary as my drummer right i referred to dave as and, and pat was my bass player mm-hmm. i ref, they ref, i know they referred to me as my guitar player exactly you know? yeah and um and um but Art of Guitar was talking about how, like, he refers to you know his drummer all the time on his channel. Right. And people type in the comments, you know, how dare you refer to that that guy as my drummer? You don't own him, like, like you know what I mean? Like, Jeez, oh, and, and and so sometimes I just Aww. wonder if, like, first of all, I don't even I don't even know if it's really a theme thing. I wonder if that is like uh, somebody was trolling, uh huh, and then some other people went. They like bought into it like, right yeah yeah right. yeah, yeah what's that? wrong with you yeah exactly so i, I that that sounds like something started out of a tr- as a troll or joke sarcasm whatever and turned into something but um I, I i was very and i typed on there that like you know i've always done that and everybody well, i yeah, know does yeah, yeah. that and i don't know and most of the people said the same thing and um the, he called his drummer While he was doing the video Oh really He asked him, we thought of him. He goes no dude I love that he says, It makes me feel like I'm like part of something Like yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I mean I love being your drummer You know It's <laughs> like you know It feels good So um So fuck you Fuck y'all Who think that shit That you're crazy yeah. you got problems Beatles. Is there a cat Oh Jesus Either
1: that Or we just experienced uh, The same paranormal a, experience <laughs> yeah, There's some our p- legs
0: There's a pussy on my leg
1: Oh boy And a
0: case of pussy leg you ever get pussy leg. I can't stand when I get pussy legs. Wow. Um. Anyways. Um. Wow. Use a cream for that. I uh, saw. Um. Uh, I was gonna mention this last week, but we didn't. We were just too busy. Um. Michael O'Mardian, the um, sure. Great producer, Grammy award-winning producer, worked with people like Christopher Cross, Donna Summer, um, Rod Stewart, a lot of people like that. He has a, a very extended interview on um, Rick Beato's channel that uh, you should really check out because what I had forgotten Mm -hmm. I think I knew it at one point but just had forgotten because we did talk about the Asia album by Steely Dan but he is on the first two three Steely Dan albums as the piano player wow um he plays, um, he does all that piano work on Ricky Don't Lose That Number. That's all That's him? him? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah he's, on, he's on big songs. He's on oh, really wow. big songs. I didn't know that about
1: him, like, even back in the day. Like, yeah. I didn't know that
0: about him. That was the great Michael O'Marty, and um, he talked about... Um, he talked about about everything. He talked. Rick asked him like, "Why did he bury Christopher Cross's guitar solo at the end <laughs> of uh, Riley <Ronald> Twin? <laughs> he goes, "He says, Rick. He says, I knew you're gonna ask me this. He says, I saw your video on uh-huh. it. And um, he says, he says, what? He says, he says, he's not exactly sure, but what I think it was is that Chris was a, was a great guitar player, but he was unsure of himself." Oh, you know what I mean, yeah. and was like you know like kind of like encouraging us to kind of like you know, mm-hmm. just kind of mix it in there with everything else, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. because Eric John—that's the first recording of it, the great Eric Johnson is on that album. Oh, really? And Larry okay. Carlton is on that album. Jeez, and um, so th- those are p- pretty big shows. Eric, Chris, and Eric Johnson were friends from Texas. That's why Eric okay. Johnson. He brought Eric on to that right. project. He helped his buddy out, is what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Chris, this is interesting. This is how different the music business has changed. He had for a while through the seventies been sending tapes to diff- to record labels. In, right. Uh, he's from Texas. He was send- sending these uh, tapes to record labels in California, in Los Angeles. And um, you know, he was. You know, people were kind of from. Oh, there's the new. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, but they yeah. had nobody quite. Committed to him yet? Uh-huh, you know, what uh-huh. I want to kind of see: was he going to keep? Do- a lot of times, you send, you might send like a uh, demo with four or five songs, and it might be really good. But if you don't ever send anything else, they make go like, "Well, oh, this guy's not really serious." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they see you doing this, uh-huh. you know, every eight, nine months, they get in a, in a couple more songs. Mm-hmm. They're all pretty good. Then they, then they start to go like, "This is somebody we need to, you know, con- consider." Yeah, exactly. So, totally different thing. Doesn't work like that now at all. Nope. But at the time, that's how it did. And. um So the, whatever, I can't remember the the label off the top of my head. It was one of those labels that doesn't exist in Casablanca or something like that. They had signed him and uh, they would do meetings every morning and um, uh, with all the different producers Mm -hmm. and all it was a who's who. And Mike was the kid. He had been. He had a lot of studio experience. He had done a lot of arranging, done string arranging for people. He'd done all kind of stuff, but he had not um, really produced like anything serious yet. Okay. And um, so they they another one of Christopher Cross's tapes came up, and they listened to it, and everybody thought it was really um, good. And um, you know, but none of the producers wanted to take a chance on it. But he was like, I wanted to break in. Right. So I said, I'll do it. I'll pr- I'll produce him. Oh. Wow. And that, that's how he um. That's how he got landed the Christopher Cross thing. Nice. Um, the the intro to sailing is a mistake. Oh. They hit the the strings were supposed to come in like later, but there's that string thing at the beginning that's like heartbreakingly beautiful. Uh huh. And it's like it's like it's like the second half of the chorus or something like that. Is oh really? Supposed to go over Oops. and they hit them they hit the tapes because you. You record the strings on another in another right. studio with an actual orchestra. Right. That was nobody was doing this digitally, and they brought the tape. in. And somehow, when they take the one tape fired, the other one didn't when it was supposed to. Oh wow! And there's this string thing at the beginning, and like so many people commented about how beautiful it is, yep. and, it was and a how mistake. you know, and it was a total, it was a Oops. total, it was a total mistake. Um, but it was uh, it was very cool. They talked about um, he talked about how he was playing. Chris came in, he was playing with his band, but. They were slow they were just they were road guys they were not studio guys right so so like they, the they had to tell them yeah. to sit down and you know we're gonna um he talked about getting michael mcdonald involved that he had known michael because they worked together with sure and yep and um this michael was in this was exactly the type of thing he was in the studio and mike mm-hmm. they came over to bullshit and says how about putting this you know it was very like kind of casual uh, how michael mcdonald got involved um with yeah. that um But um, he talked about how that, like, opened so many doors for him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that he went on to do is he got involved with um, producing and doing strings and arranging on a lot of songs that were on movies. Um, And they Mm. were on the outro credits. One of them was The Glory of uh, Next Time I Fall in Love by um, Peter Cetera. Okay. And that's yep. from Karate Kid 2. Yeah. And it yep. was a big hit. And um, they were looking for somebody to sing. The f- he, Peter wanted it to be a duet with a few. And everybody that they were trying to get was touring. Like, okay. And again, I think yeah. they talked to Barbara Streisand. They talked to a bunch of different people. And mm-hmm. they could not get. Um, they could not get anybody. Everybody was on the road, and Michael had known Amy Grant because he had worked with her in Christian music, ah, yes. and said, "You know, Peter, have you heard about Amy Grant?" He goes, "Yeah." He says, "Christian music like that. I don't think that's. Like, we need somebody who has some like yeah. like kind of some star power." Yeah, you yeah. Know what I mean, we don't want to, you know. And he says, "I tell you what," he says, "He says, Peter, let me take you to see Amy." At the Palladium, she has two nights sold out. Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes, "Oh, sold out." She's "Let's go. I'll, you know, I'll introduce you and everything." Yes. So, um, they went, and Peter Cetera thought she was fantastic. Couldn't believe the crowd and how yeah. she, everybody was into her and everything. And that's how Amy Grant ended up on that record. Okay. Yeah. You know? I was kind of wondering. Yeah. He produced it. He arranged. He didn't write the song, but he produced it. He arranged the. Um, uh the strings and mm-hmm, stuff like mm-hmm. that you know what I mean but, um so yeah I think wow. uh yeah I that was that was really interesting um I did as well see a couple of movies my movie yes. I uh, my band is into um getting one back into getting the creative flow going again so like I've been down here in the studio doing the stuff uh music stuff uh for my band we're, we're recording an album and I'm pretty excited uh about what we're doing you know i was t- our bass player you know everybody in the band is good players but nobody in the band is a full-time musician okay okay yeah and um you know i've tried to remind the guys to like be easy on themselves mm-hmm. you know what i mean because like you know this isn't something we are doing you know we're not gigging five nights a week right. you know what i mean right um And when you don't do that, like when you get in the studio, like you're under a microscope and it like it might just might take you more time to get all the takes. That's cool. You know what I mean? So so like I'm I don't want to, you know, as much as we're chomping at the bit. Well, I I don't want to rush stuff and then put out something and then, like, let's let's go like Yeah. I wish we wouldn't have done that. You know what I mean? So, uh, but it's fun. I've been really enjoying it. I've been uh, having to go study up on uh, recording and mixing a little bit. YouTube is fucking amazing. So, um, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm, uh, there may be some other new things. I have decided this, uh, I had, like, a... uh, a sort of emotional kind of breakthrough, uh, this past week where I realized that, like, um, nothing is sacred, mm-hmm. it's all on the table. And what do I want to spend the rest of my life doing? Okay. I don't have, I'm not married, I don't have any kids, I don't have any kind of those kind of obligations. So, I'm thinking about, uh, I'm considering a major change. Somebody, somebody made is, is making has made some overtures towards, um, what i do for money mm-hmm. uh, my business in, in terms of maybe offering me something oh, for it okay um, good. and it, it offer has to be super because it's a great business has to be super fucking killer um it can't be you know some half ass bullshit but right. um we'll see we'll just we'll just we'll just see i know i know the figure that i need uh for that to happen but um i uh, um you know, it's something you think about in life, right? Yeah, you know, What do exactly. I want to spend the rest of my life doing? doing um, you know exactly. while, I'm, while I'm healthy and and everything like that. Um, a couple, I did see a couple of movies. Um, we'll go. I saw a, I saw one from 1980s Speaking of old movies,
1: okay. Uh, oh, this is a movie okay.
0: with th- three of probably our greatest actors. Hmm. Um. This stars the uh, um, great uh, Christopher Plummer and Christopher Reeves Yes um as well as um Jane Seymour Great mm-hmm. Jane the Great Jane Seymour. the Great Jane Seymour So Chris Plummer Chris Reeve and uh Jane Seymour in Somewhere in Time You don't when you go see some, when you watch some first of all Somewhere in Time is like wow it's a beautiful film it's superbly acted it's this just Cinematography and the locations and the, everything, it just like is a masterclass. It's mm-hmm. fucking great. Even the side actors, the supporting actors, are all really, really, really good. Yeah. Um, to, uh, in the credits, according to the credits, both William H. Macy and George Wendt have bit parts in it. Neither one of them speak. I watched oh, wow. the beginning, it's supposed to be in the beginning of the movie. Uh huh. I've watched the beginning like five times. I did find I him. found no I found William H Macy. Okay. Oh my god, he's a fucking kid. Kid. Yeah. A kid. Wow. But I could not see George Went. I could not oh, see wow. George Went, but I did find William, find William H Macy. Anyways, I digress. Um th- this is like superbly shop, wonderfully acted, just, you know, thoughtful, everything. And um but it's not, it's a time travel movie, but it's not a time, if you're going in to see something like The Time Machine, right? this is not what this is. This is more okay. like a romance with the time thing kind of like, as a kind of, is the setup for it. Okay. But it's more of a romance. It's more of a, a romantic story. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's very well done. Uh, there, If you were used to newer movies, you might look at this and go, oh, it's a little slow. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's just you're used to like stuff like high speed, yeah, high speed, yeah, you know, yeah, go, yeah. go, 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 never stop. You know, that kind of thing. Like this isn't like that. Um, you sit back and you're like, it's not super long hour and 40 minutes. or okay. You know, what I mean, it's like, it's like some epic that takes all day to watch. Mm-hmm. But if you've never seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, I, I recommend it. I, I, I don't like the ending. A lot of people said the same thing. I don't, they don't like the ending, yeah. um, and um, the time travel thing is handled in a more of a um, fantasy, mystical kind of way. Okay, not so Rather much than, hard yeah. science. There's no, you know. I spent some time after I watched the movie thinking about how they could, how they could remake the movie uh-huh. and get, actually ground it a little bit more. Um, and you know, by just changing the occupation of the main character, a couple little things like that. Um, in the movie, he's a playwright. Mm-hmm. And when he travels back in time, he meets an actress who's in a play. Okay. Okay, so you kind of get the connection there. But the way he, but because he doesn't have any background in any kind of science or there's no, like it's kind of weird how he, he gets his, his he has his conversation with his philosopher or professor and gets this idea about how he's gonna time travel. That's it. There's no like you know what I mean? so i think right. that like he should have been like a physicist or something like that okay you know what i mean yep who was lonely or or whatever and, and ended up doing this uh thing um and been working on a theory or whatever and he finds a way to make it work and like then i think you could have been a like a bit b- but it's just like it's almost like yeah you just accept you went back in time just just <laughs> yeah. just, just just accept it just, you know, it's, just it just happened just, the plot needs it to happen so yeah. it has to happen kind so of there. kind of thing um well done check it out if you've never seen it the other movie i want to, i saw is a newer movies from 2022 um this is this is <laughs> you ever heard the expression and now for something completely different yes okay this is um this is a movie called glorious it's streaming no. on shutter it is starring ryan uh quanton okay and jk simon oh, sure primarily there's some other people, but those are the main characters in a J.K. Simons. Uh, talk about one of our great actors. Sure. He's fan fucking He's great in this. Um, and it is a... Um, it uh, It's a horror movie, this uh, guy who played by um, Ryan uh, Quanton. Mm-hmm. There's something off with him. Okay. You don't know what it is. You're don't, don't, not quite sure... What it is, you might figure it out. I figured it out before it was revealed, but I didn't figure it out like right away, right?
1: Okay, um,
0: some people I saw some uh video essays and credit uh, and reviews on this that said that they had to go back and watch it because they didn't understand what he was really about. I thought that they made it pretty clear eventually, mm-hmm. um, but you don't know what his what his situation is. He's had apparently he's had this a girl he's had a relationship with somebody with this girl named Brenda Uh and obviously something went wrong and he's very very upset and he finds himself trapped in a rest stop bathroom okay with the J.K. Simons character oh okay J.K. Simons character never comes out of the stall really and um, how do we know it's him you can tell by his voice oh, oh you know. can absolutely tell by his voice the okay. second, yeah, heard, the I second yeah, he started yeah, talking yeah. I'm like oh J.K. Simons you know he's fucking <clears> awesome <throat> um but um <laughs> so you so that's the sort of setup you don't know right. what in the wide world of sports is going on <laughs> this bathroom is really fucked up the water barely works and um the, there is a glory hole between the stalls
1: I see. Oh, man. so that's
0: why it's called Glorious
1: I was wondering um, it's, the,
0: the the story okay it's one of these I think it's pretty well done it can be taken at face value as a, just this kind of story of this stuff that happens it's really crazy and you can have a t- you can go in with that and have a total good time but it obviously has a metaphoric kind of thing going on as well uh-huh. kind of just some symbolism that's at work in this um I thought it, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It's 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 very short. Um an hour and 14 minutes. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, so it's bare it's not really almost it's like almost that's like sh- not as short. Longer than like a TV show but shorter than like a typical movie. All right. Okay. I, I if you like horror, oh and there is some there's some serious gore Eww. that happens. So if you're okay oh with some gore and you like horror <coughs>
1: And this was the one for you.
0: You will enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, mm-hmm. I think we covered the the basics. The basics for sure. This week. So, what is going on with um? David, on. Yes. I'm not tired. Okay. I just need to be on. Okay. I need to I will clear my head a minute. So, what is uh, and what we wanted to talk about these guitars? Yeah. The, they're owned by fame they were owned by famous players sure. they played on some of our favorite records yes sorry two of them are from the Beatles <laughs> um, <laughs> Three people I hate the Beatles um but they got were lost or stolen or, or something, yeah. or something like some of these have happy endings a couple yes, of them have yes, been yes. recovered yes but a lot of them have not right so I'm gonna have we're gonna let mr Pittsburgh begin today so this is going to be our sort of feature today is this sort of sure uh, the island of of lost lost on guitars right i like
1: that yeah sure sure all right so the thing that really got this rolling is i found out this week that sir mccartney sir paul mccartney is going to get his original hofner bass back and what had happened lou is uh, when the Beatles first started out and he got his first Hoffner bass, it was a 1961 Hoffner, the violin bass.
2: 61, dudes!
1: And uh, so, um, you know, they used it, and uh, they needed some repairs, so Paul decided to get a new Hoffner, so he got a 1963 Hoffner. Okay. But he got the 61 fixed and everything and uh, would take it out on tour with him, you know, as a backup. And then in 1972, I believe... Uh, Wings was on tour, uh, Paul McCartney's band, and uh, somebody broke into their equipment truck and stole a couple of things, including the original 1960. I'm sorry, 18. Yeah, 1961
0: Hofner bass. 1861.
1: Hoffner. 1861. It was old, Lou. Get off my lawn. And um, so it, it it was gone. Aww. Right? Just 1972. <laughs> I know, right?
0: I'm a cayenne. I'm cayenne.
1: You are cayenne you hot
0: pepper cayenne.
1: Um, so um, nobody knew where it went. It never surfaced. They figured somebody probably had it in a private collection somewhere. Well, earlier, let's see, what's today? Uh, Tuesday. Earlier last week, somebody came forth and says, I have Paul McCartney's base. It's been, it's, a, it's been in my attic for years and years and years. I don't know the details of how it got there. I don't know if that person is the one that stole it or they <laughs> bought it. I don't know. But they came forward and Hoffner has authenticated this particular instrument as the 1961 Hoffner bass, and it is going to get back into our good friend, friend of the show, Sir Paul McCartney's hands. So that's a, that's a happy ending. That's a happy ending.
0: I have a happy ending. Man, yeah, missing happy. for like
1: over over, happy. over thirty years. That made like, feel happy. Down in my butthole. You know, oh. you know what Paul said? He's like, "Well, that one's gone."
0: <laughs> yeah, That's what he said so. Well, it depends on the guitar, yeah. right? Right, and the player. Sure, because for a lot of folks, for some of these folks, the guitar. Yes, I mean it's it's like a becomes like a beloved family member. Sure. I mean, some of these guitars we're talking um like very rare Gibson things mm-hmm, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, stuff that was like hard would be difficult to replace. Exactly. And um you can understand you can understand why um why some of these people would would be upset. Oh yeah. Um Sir, baby. There is a, a particularly tragic story, if I can find it, um, about Greg Ginn. Greg Ginn? How do you say his last name? Who? Black Flag. Greg, is it Greg oh, Gin or Greg Ginn?
1: I couldn't tell you. it
0: somewhere. Where is it? We somewhere must know. over the rainbow.
1: Musical interlude as we're looking for the information. Oh,
0: I have to. Okay. So there it is. Greg Greg Ginns <laughs> and <laughs> hot oh, buttered shit. I have
1: to wipe. Uh there it Greg is. Gins, Ampeg, ah, Greg
0: Ginns and Peg Dan Armstrong's poor Greg Ginn. He not only had one Dan Armstrong stolen, he oh. had two. Oh no. Lastly at our well, this is from Reverb. Uh huh. Um Hardcore Punk Pioneers Black Flag. Uh we um guitarist Greg Ginn and his stolen Dan Armstrongs. Uh, It's hard to think of Black Flag as a band and not instantly have the image of Ginn's Mm -hmm. Dan Armstrong Plexi. Rush to your mind. Saying that the sound of the band was defined by a single guitar may seem like an overstatement, but that's only because the actual full truth was that Greg Ginn had two Dan Armstrong guitars at different points throughout Black Flags run, and they equally shaped the sound of the band. His first Dan Armstrong was the one that first featured the uh, taped uh, four-stripe Black Flag Mm -hmm. logo, and was also the Dan Armstrong uh, that he would spray paint black during the 80s. So you you buy a clear guitar and you spray paint it black. Okay, why not? Uh, This guitar featured one custom pickup, and eventually was stripped down uh, to feature no volume or tone pot. Oh. Through photographs, one can see that this guitar had been with him dating back to the 70s. In eight, 1984, it was stolen. When exactly Greg purchased a second Dan Armstrong or whether it was spurred by the theft of the first is not 100% clear, but for whatever reason, Greg acquired a second Plexi while he was in Black Flag. Uh, this one, like its predecessor, would end up with no volume or p- tone pots. The 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 one pickups was sealed to prevent rusting from Greg's heavy sweating, and eventually would have uh, its instrument cable hardwired to the input jack. So, so in other words, it was it was wired. There right. was no tone controls, nothing. Right. It just just straight right, out, right, straight out, straight out. Ingve uh, says he likes that too. He likes to do oh, that. Oh, does he know? instead of black spray paint which he used to dampen the guitar's vibrations on his first dan armstrong this guitar was physically notable for all of the duct tape he used mm-hmm. to keep the modifications secure sure. and to achieve the same uh, sonic effect to say the least uh, we do not <laughs> recommend no. trying this at home no uh, i've added dan armstrong i couldn't do that uh, this Dan Armstrong would be the one uh, that we use live and in the studio throughout the "Slip It In" era, until its own untimely theft in 1986. Now, this is a very uh, tragic story. Oh no! This is one of those like stupid stories. Mm-hmm. According to Henry Rollins' memoir, "Get in the Van," the guitar disappeared out of the back black flag van on April 16, 1986, in Poughkeepsie, New York, while road manager Mitchbury watched it happen from inside the van. <laughs> The guitar, so, nice. Roland says in his book, the guitar was stolen within minutes of the van pulling up to the front of some store. The guitar was stolen right through the open window on wow. the passenger side. <sighs> okay. So, while the blame falls on Burry, their manager, it even falls harder when you realize that he, their entrusted manager, uh-huh. assumed the person grabbing the guitar from the window was a member of the crew. Yeah, sure. Oh, they've got it. From there, Rollins noted that Ginn went off immediately to buy a replacement guitar, which turned out to be an all-black 1986 Ibanez Roadster. Mm. Now for something completely different. Huh? It's very different than yeah, the uh, yeah. Dan Armstrong. He's probably like, these Dan Armstrongs are bad luck. <laughs> um, so and that guitar has never been recovered. Wow. So if you've got either one of Greg Ginn's ampe- <laughs> uh, Ampeg uh, Dan Armstrongs, like, yeah. give me a call. Yeah. <laughs> Be fun, let's 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 uh, let's talk I about it, it. Mm-hmm. okay? Like, so what do we got next, Mr. Pittsburgh? All
1: right, so for my next uh little story here, you know, a fella by the name of Rory Gallagher, you know, Rory, huh? Rory, you probably know him from uh, Ireland, you know, uh, very famous blues. He famous. a blues man, times is hard, Eugene. Tom well, hard. you might. Recognizes guitar too. It's a Stratocaster and it's uh, beat to Helen Beck. You'd think Stevie Ray Vaughan's strat was beat up. You should see this here Rory Gallagher
0: strat. Okay,
1: now the thing about this strat is it's very much associated with him, but it was stolen as well. No. Yeah!
0: Get out of time! From Bart
1: Kenyon's. So uh, back in uh, around 1965, the guitar was stolen. Um, so uh, the local um, uh, television station did a little piece um, and uh, <laughs> about the stolen guitar. And the reports were it was very condescending. It was this thing on uh, RTE called Irish Police Watch. Oh, that's kind of like the Irish <laughs> cops, you know. <laughs> and it went something like... Uh, Oh, and a young man with long hair has had his... Actually, there was two guitars stolen. Two of his guitars stolen. I think it was the Tele and the Strat. If anyone, if anyone sees them, they look like this. And he held a picture and, uh, you know, contact me. So, guess what? What? The power of television. Wow. The power of the media. The power. Oh, the power. The power. Well, there was so much heat on these two guitars that the guy couldn't sell them. The guy who ah. stole them... So they were eventually found. It's going to make you cringe. Actually, found in a ditch just outside of town.
0: And uh, well, I guess he had to ditch ah, those guitars.
1: Ha, ah, ah, ha. Thanks. I'll be here all week. Try the
0: veal. Oh, that's a
1: beautiful one. But uh, yeah, they were actually found in a ditch. And um, uh, it's funny. Rory said that uh, that's around the time, like after that guitar was recovered, that's when it really started to like, uh, you know, um, be reliced. So, they don't know if it was because it was outside the environment or what. But uh, anyway, so Rory did get his back. And thanks to local television, they kind of made this little funny oh, that's thing. Nice. In there.
0: other words, all's welded and well. That's right. Way to go. That's goes. just very nice. Rory, good for you. That makes, me, that makes me all warm inside. That warms the cockles of my heart. But do you feel
1: fuzzy inside? That's the main <coughs> question.
0: <coughs> In December of 1992, the Smashing Pumpkins played a show in Detroit
1: Roxanne, <laughs>
0: and sometime after that gig Billy Corgan's prize oh, no. Stratocaster give the Gish Stratocaster which he used on the band's debut album mm-hmm, mm-hmm. was stolen rewards up to $20,000 were offered for the return of the guitar with no questions asked mm-hmm. but the guitar was never recovered what? that was until 27 years later when Corgan was contacted by the uh, by a mother from Flushing, Michigan, named Beth James, who had uh-huh. purchased a guitar at a garage sale for $200 a decade earlier. She didn't play guitar. She bought it to hang on the wall for decoration. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Years later, James was decluttering her house and looked into the value of the guitar in the process of finding out the true history <laughs> mm-hmm. of her wall art. The guitar had plenty of unique identifying features, a cigarette burn on the neck, Mm -hmm. the initials KM engraved on the bridge, and a flushed middle pickup, and of course, Billy's own artwork adorning the body, featuring the word fuck, scratched into the paint. In 2019, Corgan was reunited with the guitar and took it to a local Chicago luthier, uh, to have it repaired, the guitar uh, was from the CBS era mm. when they would often use oh. necks and bodies from different years but it uh, was been estimated that this is a Stratocaster beat to be from about 1975 even though the neck indicates 76 the pickups indicate 1975. Ask Clapton about uh, Blackie. That's like uh-huh. what? It's like from three different years yeah, you know what exactly. I mean? The electronics from one year the body from one and the neck from another <laughs> After it had been restored to full working order, Billy put the guitar to use that so can be heard on the band's latest album. I'm in the studio working on new songs and I'm literally going to take it and have it strung up and checked and I'll put it right to work. I mean that's what guitars are for, say Corgan for his long lost instrument. How about that? That's How about that. That's amazing. That's incredible. incredible. What do you got next, Mr. P? Okay, so
1: <clears throat> we've talked about this one before, but I'm going to talk about it again because it's very important to me. Yes, there was a young fella by the name of Peter Frampton. Peter Frampton had himself a guitar. Um, now the story goes that they were playing, I believe, the Fillmore in Humble Pie. He was in Humble Pie, and he had a ES-335, and that, of course, is a semi-hollow body, so at uh, really loud volumes it would feed back well there was a guy in the uh the audience yeah I forget his name. fred it's chuck his name was chuck but anyway he said oh uh, chuck he said where uh, were they
0: playing again do you know
1: i believe it was the Fillmore. Oh, the Fillmore. okay go ahead yeah. Yeah. but uh anyway i think chuck
0: hi i'm chuck
1: i'm here You're for a... us or chuck i was looking to see if i can get chuck's real name I can't find it. We'll just call
0: him Chuck. We'll just get it. We'll call um, him Chuckles.
1: Here, call him Chuckles.
0: Charlie! He hey. Goes, hey!
1: man, I, I see you're having, he says to Peter, I, I see you're having trouble, uh, uh, you know, with loud volumes. He goes, would you like to borrow my guitar? Pete's like, no, that's okay. He goes, no, no, really, just try it out tomorrow night and see if it's any better for you. That guitar happened to be a 1954 Les Paul Custom that was modified to have three humbucker pickups in it. So Pete tried it. The
0: humdinger, pick pick'em,
1: yeah. So Pete tried it. Sounded great. So Pete offered, uh, he offered the guy, you know, I'd like to, I'd really like this guitar. I'd like to buy it off you. What?
0: That's crazy talk.
1: No, what's going to, listen, hold on. You better sit down and buckle up. Um, As often happened back in the day, the guy's like, no, I'm not going to sell it to you. You You can have it. So the guy gifted the guitar to Pete. Okay. So wow. this is the uh, guitar that you see on the album "Frampton Comes Alive." That's the uh, the black pickup or the black uh, guitar with the uh, triple pickups. And all was well until 1980. Uh,
0: Treaded 1980. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They were That's doing when it. everything went to yeah. shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so uh, Frampton and his band were down in uh, South America doing some shows. and getting ready to fly back and uh, they took off in one plane and their equipment took off in the other and then promptly hit the ground uh, so <laughs> <Whoops>. the, <laughs> yeah the uh, the equipment plane crashed uh, burned they just assumed that the Les Paul was in that plane uh, well they knew it was because all the equipment was and it was destroyed okay so sad very sad the iconic trip to pick up Les Paul gone Baloo Houdini with your magic powers your intuition—was it really gone? No, I don't know. Was no, it? It wasn't gone. Turns out. But where did it go? It was—I'm going to tell you. Turns out it was not destroyed in the crash. It was stolen from the wreckage, and some oh, guy down no. down in South America was playing it. And then after it a band, It his band, yeah, just you know, you know. So uh, it needed some repairs. So he took it to the local music shop. And as soon as the guy that does the repairs saw it, he immediately recognized it as Peter Frampton's guitar. Uh, deals were made. <laughs> Calls were made. Channels were perversed. I don't know. Well, excuse me. Oh, all right. And, uh, and Peter ended up uh, getting this guitar back. This is the triple pickup. It's a little worse for wear. It's been beat up. Pete just wanted to make it playable so he told gibson they were going to refinish it do everything refurbish it and everything he goes no no it kind of adds character that parts of it are missing okay and uh so if you look at the the headstock part of the diamond up in the headstock is missing he's like no no i just i want it playable and he now calls that guitar the fiends because it It rose rose from from the the ashes. ashes exactly but uh yeah so pete got his guitar back 30 some years later after thinking it was completely gone Good for you. Wow. Well,
0: you know, Mr. Pittsburgh, we need to take a break here. Oh, um, yes. Because we have we have a new sponsor. Oh, we
1: do. I yeah, can't yes, do. wait. Here we go. Or um, maybe not. I'm waiting. It no let's okay, it let's try it we again. We have a new sponsor.
0: Sure. Just did old celebrity Martha Ray for polypoop
1: oh, no. or whatever.
2: Folks, I work with lots of people who wear dentures and smoke. And I tell them all, you gross pigs with your bullshit fake teeth, can you take that shit outside? Wow. Now, Smoker's Polydent, drop one of these fizzy tabs in a cup with your old lady teeth and watch what happens. (laughs) See? So take it from a big mouth. Smoker's Polypoop will really put a bite in
0: that ass. What's cracking?
1: Wow, that's great. Polypoop. I like how we have new new uh, endorsement every yeah, we have, week. We have,
0: we have polypoop this week, so don't forget. Polypoop. Try polypoop wherever.
1: You're a smoker and you got dentures. Wherever
0: fine products are sold.
1: <laughs> and whether you're male or female, if you have old lady
0: teeth.
1: <coughs> <laughs> use polypoop.
0: All right, sir. Mm. And
1: now let's get right to it. Right. <laughs> right.
0: Right then. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. Right. all Right. I want to talk about... <sighs> yeah. I want to talk about... That's not what I want to talk about. We'll talk about Beano. Let's get into okay, Beano. Let's, let's talk about Beano. Let's talk about Bino. Eric Clapton's uh, Blues Breakers inspired a whole generation of would-be blues guitarists. Uh, found a great instrument to make this music a Gibson Les Paul. A little bit of a um, discrepancy if it's a, if it was a 59 or a 60. Okay. There seems to be a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um, and so the cover of the album showed him reading a Beano magazine. So the album's called Bino.
2: Oh, um
0: nice. So uh, the sound was uh, really uh, it's, people have been chasing this tone for decades. Ever since, mm-hmm. ever since he did this record, sound was just so fierce and so attentive. He says, and the appeal drew everyone's curiosity to attempt to suss out where the sound was coming from. The photograph of Eric on the back cover was a clue. We said, ah, look at the background. There's a Marshall, but it's not very big. Ah, oh, look at that. They don't make those anymore. Ah, oh, and it's one of those Les Pauls. <laughs> the actual guitar uh, uh, Eric used has since uh, taken an almost mythical quality, mm. not at, not least because it was stolen long afterwards and has never been seen since. Wow. Uh, It was the short-lived variant known today as the Burst for its sunburst finish produced by Gibson from 1958 until discontinued in 1960 and replaced by the new double cutaway SG design in the mid-60s. The original single-cut Les Pauls were being called the old model at the time. Mm -hmm. The theft of of the Beano Burst helped uh, it pass into legend and as with many legends, the stories surrounding it have been swollen with the hearsay and half-truths ever since. Peter Green estimated the potential value of the Lost Pino while talking to a Neville Martin for, for a magazine in 1999. Eric's Les Paul would probably go for $50 million now. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Gonna call up uh, what, what, what Christie's? We're mm-hmm. talking about the uh, offler's Christie's auction, right? Audio? Right. Uh, he was 20 years old when he joined the Blues Breakers in '65. Uh, after, uh, f- at first he played a Telecaster, but soon wanted something different. One of his favorite guitars, guitarists, was Freddie King. who was pictured on the '62 album "Let's Hide Away and uh, Dance Away" playing an old uh, uh, Les Paul Goldtop. The gaudy picture on the front showed a guitar that looked more brown than gold, more like a sunburst finish than the gold one, perhaps. Eric must have made a mental note. So he ended up getting this. Uh, the chronology starts with the uh, last known photograph Eric, uh, of Eric with the Telecaster he used until then, a fan snapshot from May 30th. Uh, when the mail band visited uh, a this country club in Yorkshire five days later on Friday fourth, local newspaper photographed Eric at the Ricky Ticky the Ricky Tick Club, excuse me, Ooh. in the Plaza Ballroom playing his newly acquired Les Paul. Mm. Pins down the acquisition to some point in the week between Sunday and Friday. So okay. people have like mean, this is yeah. how crazy people are about this guitar. They mm-hmm. pin down like what week it was purchased. Wow. Um. So Eric talked about this, he said those Les uh Les Paul's our top guitars rave about Eric replied I thought thaw- I bought my first one at Lou Davis's shop. Uh it's a Sel- it's a Selmer place now. And he had a couple of them imported from the States and I managed to get a hold of one. So he bought it, just went to a store and bought it. Um Let's see here. At the time Eric bought the Beano Guitar sixty five. Uh, they, these Both of these shops that he's talking about advertised in Melody Maker. Um, let me see here. This, this is a very in-depth article. I'm trying yeah, to abbreviate for, good all, stuff. Yeah, for all y'all. Uh, so, um... Yeah, that's that was like that's too like 20 pages. So I apologize, guys. Um anyway, so um this is uh gonna be Clapton's main guitar uh mm-hmm. in in cream as well as the bluesbreakers, right before it's theft. Uh, uh release of the right, right before the bluesbreakers release of the, it's theft right oh my god, I can't talk tonight. Humming, humming before up. it's theft just days uh, after the release of the bluesbreakers album. According to Clapton, the guitar was stolen out of the cream rehearsal room. And that, uh, as a result of the theft, uh, he was in the middle of borrowing guitars while considering his next move. So he's like borrowing and trading guitars around, and somebody freaking screws him up and steals his guitar. Uh, when a wanted ad was posted for the guitar in the mirror, it was noted as a having a very scratched back and numerous cigarette burns on the front. The ad also noted the guitarist's thick leather strap with the names Buddy Guy, Otis Rush, and. Uh, Big Macio, big Macchio, big Macchio, uh, carved on the inside. Clapton theorized uh, whoever stole the guitar stole the plush case, and he loved uh, that as well. Um, since a time of its theft, the guitar has gained a rightful reverence with its cultural significance increasing its worth from the hundreds of thousands into the millions. The last word on the location of this instrument is actually from noted guitar addict collector Joe Bonamassa, who told Guitarist Magazine in 2016 that. It is in a collection on the East Coast of America. That's all I can tell you, and that's all I will say. Bonamassa also alleged that the guitar is a 59, as opposed to the popular-held belief held, popular held belief that it's a 60, and openly wondered if Clapton would recognize it. I don't know if Clapton would even want it back at this point. <laughs> uh, our best guess is yes, Eric would definitely want the guitar back. Maybe, you know, maybe, hey, Joe, maybe give Eric a call. Yeah, just, just say, you know, just, I'm just saying. Throw it, throw it just his way. Just pu- I'm just putting it out there. I'm just putting it Should out like there. I like your guitar back? Yeah,
1: um, I got other ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this guitar and this Beano, I mean, there is all kinds of been articles in, in, right, and nowadays tons of YouTube videos on how to get the Beano sound. Yeah. It's really like, it's a whole thing. Apparently mm-hmm. what he did was... He played through a Martial combo, played directly into a Marshall combo. Everything turned the whole way up,
2: mm. mm-hmm.
0: and he had the, the the toggle switch set in the middle. So the, when you set the toggle switch in the middle on a Les Paul, you select both pickups, right. the the uh, yep, neck pickup and the bridge pickup. Yep. And um, and he turned the he had the volume on the bridge pickup the whole way up, and then he blended the neck pickup into taste. Oh, okay. So it isn't just all bridge. Pickup right right there's right, some, right. And a little bit of neck in there as well and um, they you know it's it just it filled the whole building and people mm-hmm. were coming from other studios you know banging on the door right. telling them that they got to turn that down <laughs> and they were like no we're not turning <laughs> it down <laughs> well, it needs to be so what you're probably hearing on that record one of the reasons why it sounds the way that it does is it was so loud that you're probably hearing Eric's guitar in the drum mics, the vocal right, mics, right. everything—the whole room is it. Yeah, yeah. picking it up, and all the sort of the sound bouncing around and everything. So it's not just a matter of getting a Les Paul and a Marshall combo and turning right, it, it all turn the way up. up. Yeah, you know what I mean? There was there's like other all kind of yeah. things involved. You know, the way the mics were set up and everything. So exactly. Um, I apologize for that being so screwy the way I told it. I, I, I was looking at this article. I'm like, oh, this looks like a much better article on it. And it was... It, I apologize, guys. Oh, wow. It was not... Uh, right, you live and learn. I'm just saying. saying sometimes. Uh, okay. So let's get out of that. Um, You got another one you want to talk about? Yeah, I
1: got another one. I see it's on your list, too. And that would be George Harrison's 1957 Red Les Paul Lucy. Now, Lucy started out live life in 1957... As a gold top, Les Paul, but was refinished. That's to the
0: just crazy Lou, talk.
1: Lou, 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 I'm telling you, it really happened that way. But uh, anyway, so uh, in 1973, no, of course, George Harrison knows this, in 1973. Uh, it was stolen. Oh no! Oh no! It was Mr. Bill,
2: not stolen. It was
1: stolen from from uh, George Harrison's Beverly Hills home. Okay. Was They're- it stolen by one of the Beverly Hillbillies? You think? <laughs> Probably. Uh, not long after it was stolen, it was sold to Wayland's Sound City Music Store on Sunset Boulevard. All right. All right. Okay. So we know where it is. But before Harrison could reclaim Lucy, by the way, the name of this guitar is Lucy. Um, before he could reclaim Lucy, the 1957 Les Paul was sold to a musician from Mexico called Miguel Ochoro. and he took the guitar back to Mexico with him. So now it's kind of gone again, right? So don't worry. Listen to this, Lou. They're going to get this guitar back by hook or crook. Miguel. So, uh... <laughs> The, the way that Harrison got Lucy back is he exchanged to Miguel, um, let's see, I want to make sure I get this right, uh, he had to exchange a Fender Precision Bass and another Les Paul, a Sunburst 1958 Les Paul, to be precise, okay, so they did get the, um, the, they got Lucy back. Now where? So
0: had to give, took two guitars.
1: Yeah, basically. Yeah, that's Well, He knew it was George Harrison. He he saw he they would play his hand. Yeah. Now let me tell you a little slide story here. Okay, he's ready. Okay. So this uh, particular Les Paul, the '58 Sunburst. Do you know where George Harrison got it? Do you know who he bought it off of? Yes. Good. Yeah, you can say. Go ahead. I have I I used to
0: know this. Um.
1: Very famous, very famous guitar guy. Seller, seller. That's gonna do it. He's a seller of guitars. I don't know. Rare guitars. Norm. It is. It was Norm Harris. Okay. Yes. So, um, <laughs> I read Nor- the, This is in Norm's book. It's uh, Confessions of a hey, Used Guitar. Hey, I was trying to say trying something. To... That's okay. But anyway, so here's a here's the story. So I read the book, uh, Norm's confession of an Antique Guitar Dealer or something like that, and he tells a story how like. He got a call from a friend. He goes, look, George Harrison's in town. He needs to get another guitar to replace this. Red Les Paula was stolen. And at this time, Norm was selling out of his apartment. He didn't even have a storefront. Right. So they came over. uh George Harrison, a home guy. business. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Basically, they basically got into the apartment Okay. But word quickly spread through the apartment complex. Uh, There was a Beatle. Yeah. By the time he came out with the guitar in his hand, this is why people hate the fucking Beatles. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Huge crowd in the parking lot to see this. Okay. Now, years and years later, uh, Norm's got his store in, in, uh, you know, was it it Los Angeles, I believe? Yeah. And um, a girl comes up to him in the store and she goes, I remember when you sold guitars out of your apartment. And I was like, wow, that was a while ago. And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, because I lived in the same apartment complex. And I remember when George Harrison came. She goes, me and my sister, we, that's the first time we'd ever said We we stood there and waited for George Harrison to come out. He goes, oh, that's really sweet. She goes, yeah, my sister's Paula Abdul. Oh, so
0: wow. So Paula Abdul was
1: there when George got his uh,
0: That's fucking great. What a story. That's a great story. Yeah,
1: very good. But, they, yeah, thankfully, George Harrison got his Lucy back. And, uh yeah. why do people steal stuff? Why do they, they shouldn't steal stuff. Stealing.
0: I once had a girl steal my heart. Stealing. I, then she yeah. broke it. Stealing when it should have been buying, exactly.
1: right? Exactly.
0: Uh, let's talk about Zach Wilde's The Grail. Well, okay, let's do it. The loss of Zach Wild's uh, beloved original 1981 Bullseye Les Paul custom, better known as The Grail. Hmm occurred during a stint when Zach's guitar tech, Fred, uh, took some time off after the birth of his daughter. Okay. Guitar was put into the band's trailer after a gig, and someone forgot to lock it. Uh, during the drive to from, one, um, to the, from one show to the next show, the door came open, and several pieces of gear fell out of the trailer Oopsie and were strewn across the highway in Texas. One of those pieces was the grail. Happily, the guitar was later recovered, thanks in no small part to some secret graffiti uh, that his guitar tech had done on the guitar to make it more easily identifiable. The Grail was Zach's most famous guitar, and he used it on every album he recorded. It was Zach's iconic guitar. Now, Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. sitting in a ditch somewhere in Texas. Wow. I was not there to lock the trailer, and when I heard the news, I was heartbroken. I thought to myself, if I had been there, this never would have happened. Remember seeing the guitar up close as stagehand in Pittsburgh, long before I became Zach's guitar tech. Um, finally, uh, setting the grail up and uh, changing his pickups was one of my first jobs after I got with Zach. Hmm. Oh, so no, he was a stagehand in Pittsburgh. Right, before right, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. he is from originally from Pittsburgh. He might be. Eric might know him, right? He might. One of the first things he did was to change the pickups when he got it and started working with Zach. I didn't know how long I'd have the gig, so I made made my mark on history. I wrote (laughs) in Sharpie inside the pickup cavity, ZW. And then the other one, thank you, Zach, for the gig, uh, FK. Aww. Aww. Uh, The guitar survived the fall out of the trailer thanks to the Gibson Chainsaw Guitar case. And a guy in Texas picked it up off the road, assuming it was a regular Zach Wild signature Les Paul that bore some scars oh, from years of use. Uh, it made its rounds until it wound up in a pawn shop and was purchased by a guy <gasps> named Jerry uh, <laughs> Wessinger for $250. Wow. Again, assuming it was just a regular retail Zach Wild Les Paul. Uh, But when Jerry removed the pickups to give the guitar a clean, he saw the writing that Fred had scrawled in there years earlier and did some Googling and made arrangements to return the guitar. Wow. The Grail was returned home. It actually flew in its own seat on the (laughs) airplane. They bought it a ticket home and put it uh, in the cabin so there was no chance it would get lost in the luggage. It made it home to Zach and now resides in the studio safe and sound from the trials of the road. Wow. So... How about that that's pretty crazy i didn't even know about that i knew about the george harrison and the Peter right, friends right, and some right. of the more famous ones i didn't know about that at i didn't all.
1: know about that either that's why i was kind of surprised when i saw it up there I'm
0: like that hey, said, things make you say huh <laughs> huh what really? about you got anything else that's it is that it that's it. Hey, all you're going to talk that's about well we got how you got you got time for one more less paul story. i do
1: because you know what i i love Les paul.
0: so now i have you have your choice we can talk about um, Joe Perry's Les Paul. Okay. Or we can talk about Jimmy Page's Les Paul. Oh. Let's go with Jimmy
1: Page. Okay.
0: All right, and we will have Page. All right. In a second here, okay? yeah. Jimmy Page's Black Beauty. Oh, that's right. Although he played many uh, different guitars over the years, Jimmy Page was famous for playing Les Paul's. Mm-hmm. His number one and number two were both 59 Bursts. Although number one might have been in early 1960s. You guys, you guitar players, it's enough. Yeah, come on. But his first Les Paul was actually 60 Black Beauty with three pickups. It was a Les Paul custom. Uh, This was years before Led Zeppelin. Uh, Page bought the guitar when he was 18 from a shop in London for 185 pounds via layaway Mm. in 1962. He opted for the three pickup combination to give him more sonic range, as he was doing a lot of session work back then. He didn't bring the Black Beauty on tour with Led Zeppelin until the band's 1970s tour. Okay. The guitar was used during the band's performance at the Met in Minneapolis, Minnesota in April 12, 1970. When the band landed in Montreal, Canada for the next gig, the guitar was gone. Uh Uh-oh. Page was devastated. He took out ads in various music, music magazines offering a reward Through return of his guitar, the guitar stayed hidden for over 20 years until Mm. 1993. The guitar was purchased by a vintage guitar shop in Minneapolis for $5,000. The woman selling the guitar told the story that her husband, who had worked as a baggage handler at Minneapolis Airport, had stolen the guitar. And that the guitar had belonged to Jimmy Page. Wow! Wow. Oh, boy. She must have been pissed at him to tell Mm -hmm. tales of him. They was probably getting divorced yeah the owner of Willie's american guitars nate wesker sent photos of the guitar to pages people who stated that the guitar was not his as it didn't have the two holes uh for the extra toggle switches and the bigsby tailpiece page mm. nate sold the guitar to an employee for fifty five hundred dollars who owned it and gigged with the guitar for the next several years <laughs> however when the employee brought the guitar uh, to the shop for repairs in 2014 Nate put the guitar under a black light. The lacquer was settled over time, revealing the holes for Page's two extra toggle switches. Oh. They had been removed and covered up. In addition, the twelfth uh, fret block inlay was unique. It had, uh, which, what is cater- categorized as a uh, lightning with three stars to the left. This detail was seen in old photographs of the guitar. Was used to confirm that this was indeed Page's wow. long-lost guitar. Employee who owned the guitar was in need of money to pay some medical bills. It would have an easy hurt? option for for him to have the guitar authenticated, uh, with a newly unearthed proof for a sold uh, and sold for a massive sum. But he and Nate decided to do the right thing and returned the uh, oh. guitar to Jimmy Page. Page exchanged the guitar for a fifty nine uh, custom Les Paul, which was valued at oh. forty five thousand dollars. A decent return yes. for a five thousand dollar investment. Although if the Black Beauty had hit the auction block, it would have fetched well. Over oh, that. easily. Yeah. ah, That's cool. I'd forgotten about that one. Black Beauty.
1: And you know I love the triple pick of Black you Beauty.
0: You love some Black Beauty. I
1: sure do.
0: Let's talk about a band that we haven't had talked about on the podcast in a while. Although I did hear, I follow them on, one th- on TikTok or something. Yeah, I did hear yeah. that they were doing something new. Yes. And um, here it is. This is it. This is very cool. Um, This is a band called Bourbon House. Mm-hmm. My kind of band, right? Yes. Urban.
1: Oh, I see what you did, Urban. dear. Freight train. Let's
0: give yeah, a let's let's let's
2: let's let down, down, down we Do you hear that freight train coming? No, no, no. Do you hear that freight train coming? No, no, no. Do you hear that freight train coming? going take down our trees again. Yeah. How we're not somehow gonna burn down our house.
0: You can find them, of Very course. Cool. Uh, 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 fr- uh, excuse me Bourbon House on YouTube and you can find all the stuff there very cool great yes, band yes um, I want to talk very quickly um, about a band okay um, called I just discovered these guys last night um, go up I wanted to play this for you, you and go. you to kind of give me your sort of okay sort of first time the th- first reaction this is a band called the Lemon Twigs <clears throat> uh huh Yes, They have a very interesting um, history. Oh, uh, they're brothers. Okay. And uh, their father was a musician. Sure. You know, who sort of like started living vicariously through his kids.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
0: And um, the one brother became a very accomplished classical guitar player. Mm-hmm. And the other one is a multi-instrumentalist who plays drums, piano, and stuff. And they have, one of the signatures of their group yes. is that they have awesome vocal harmony. Oh, okay. And they're really, they're really right. into that. Sure. And their new album, I believe, is called mm, Something Harmony. I will get the name of that here. I apologize, guys. My computer is a little... It's, the little it's, slow it's today. Slow, a little slow today. A slow today. I'm just a little slow. For a little slow, slow mama. <laughs> slow mama slow. But yeah, check it out. This is a song called My Golden Years. Oh. The Lemon Twigs. seconds Uh i think they played every chord that there is yeah (laughs) i mean like it's a pretty like for it sort of comes across as a simplistic but there's a lot going on yeah beatles and influence thing but i mean it's there's a lot going on in that it's pretty pretty fucking impressive. Very cool. Um, these, yeah, these, yeah, they these, do have really good vocals. Yeah, these these kids are really good. Um, I wanted to play something kind of up tempo. They do a lot of ballads where the harmonies and stuff are like a little bit it's more better. yeah, you know, more pronounced or whatever. Um, but yeah, very good, very good yeah. pick.
1: Oh my! I heard a magical tone.
0: Everything harmony is the name of the album. Okay, Every, everything harmony. So. Good stuff. Very cool. Hey guys, so now you have you, hit, you you could you could say you heard about the lemon twigs here. Yep. Again, kind of, you know, definitely I get it on the light side. You know, mm-hmm. no metal, mm-hmm. but um, totally new and notable. Sure. And we, those have both been added to our um, playlist on YouTube, our new and notable playlist. So nice. you can check out all our new and notables there. Yes. Um, you can. Uh, um, go to com to get all the links and everything to where you can watch the show, look at the show notes and mm-hmm. catch all the links mm-hmm. to all the different things that we talked about today. Um, special shout-out to Rock Rage Radio. Go to radiocom Download the free app. get uh, And go get some uh, custom artwork done on your musical instrument with uh, Wolf's Customs. Wolfie. And uh, be careful of them Porky Pig videos out there. Mm-hmm. They might... You might get offended. See, I thought you were going to talk about them censoring him because he has no pants on, <laughs> but it wasn't that at all. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I mean the the one video, the one the one cartoon they made, he was uh, it was like an it was it was a cartoon that had a kind of a decent message. It was like trying to con- discourage children from s- trying cigarettes. Okay, sure. You know, but and <laughs> <but clears throat> <it throat> went in. You know, they what they they had like they, the matches come out. And they start dancing. Uh-huh. They look like blackface. I'm oh, not so sure because no. the matches are black. And right, right, yeah. And I mean, I'm not sure if it was intentionally meant yeah, to be. Man. You know what I mean? But then there was a scene where um, there's like an Al Jolson kind of character. And said, well, that's yeah, definitely going to be. Yeah. That's going to be. You know, we're going to poo poo that. Yeah, that's <laughs> not going to work. Uh, one thing I did <laughs> not mention, I meant to mention last week, uh, is we lost Mojo Nixon. I just want to say. Oh, that's right. We did. Uh, rest in peace to yes, uh, yes. Mojo. That booger-eating moron. Whoa. That's what he called himself. I know. That's what I'm just going. Whoa. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, Mr. Pittsburgh, is there anything you want to say uh, before we wrap up for today? No. No. Okay. <laughs> After I had a long thought there. No. no.
1: Okay. All right, then. All
0: right, guys. Have a great week. We'll catch everybody on the next Ludini Rock and Roll Show. See ya.